tonight on the Rambling Review. Fangs for the memory. <laughs> it's a Hammer review. And I love the Hammer films. I really love, in particular, the films around the turn of the 70s. And this is a film from 1970, but it's an overlooked film. Because tonight, I'm reviewing The Vampire Lovers. Oh, yes. But I think The Vampire Lovers has been, as I say, rather overlooked. It's the first of a trilogy to use the Karnstein vampire family and legend and story and the two films that came after it are the ones that people seem to remember more of the two films that came up after it will be lust for a vampire and twins of evil and the reason why they're so well remembered i think and also sometimes so liked is because they went far more for the nudity for the salaciousness for the uh, more overt lesbianism but that's what a little bit of what we have here. It's a preparation for those two movies. And in a way, it's sweeter than those two movies. But the reason why it didn't make such a, a big uh, splash, I presume, is because it's neither one thing nor the other. And the storyline and the story, the plot, is based around... Mikala Karnstein, played by Ingrid Pitt, who of course we'll see the following year um, make more of a splash, quite literally, uh, in um, Countess Dracula, another overlooked movie that I really enjoy for the, for the kitsch and the schlock value. And here, what she seems to be doing is insinuating herself into different houses and different... Um, different people's households, particularly where there's a conventionally good-looking young woman who's in there, and cutting a swathe, a vampire swathe, through those households. Peter Cushing is here, which is lovely to see, and he's not used very often. He kind of tops and tails this film, really, because he's first there as the general, and he is the father of Laura, who, um, who Ingrid Carla is a companion to, um, Laura rather, falls for her in a kind of friendly way and of course eventually wastes away uh, and is um, and has terrible nightmares and it's Pippa Steele who is playing Laura and she has one of the most extraordinary shrieking screams and extraordinarily long screams that I have ever heard in horror films and of course she um, she wastes away and eventually she passes away and it's only then that they notice the two fang bites but where's Mircala? she doesn't seem to be there well no because she'll be called to the Karnstein castle graveyard every night where she's got her sarcophagus mausoleum tomb no one seems to think where is she there's somebody missing from this picture. Something's a bit weird with these two bites. I mean, it's not gnat bites or horse flies, is it? 
And who's missing? Mia Carla. Oh, well, never mind. It's okay. Next, Ingrid pitches up at George Cole's house. George Cole, great, great actor, great English actor, can do all sorts of great things, tutored and, of course, adopted by wonderful Alistair Sim, uh, another great uh, English actor. And it's good to see him because he's not in many, if any, hammers. He plays a, a, a bit of a, a quiet, um, conventional turn here as uh, the father of Emma, who's played by Madeline Smith. So we know what kind of simpering turn that's going to be. And of course, she becomes friendly again with Mia Carla. The, the, the great thing about having no communication and with the general being away, no one says, no one texts the other person and says, you know that woman that I met at your party that night? She's turned up at my house. What do you know about her? So she is allowed while um, George Cole, her father Roger, is away on business. And of course it's all women in the house because you've got a governess played by Kate O'Mara doing another smouldering turn, I presume, but actually not. Playing straight, which is nice to see Kate O'Mara doing. While the men are away and all you've got is a butler, the women will play and morals are clearly loose because you don't have that firm hand of male control. And so Emma starts to fall under the, um, into the grasp of Ingrid, starts to become friendly with her. And funnily enough, Madeline starts having the same sort of dreams. A cat, a cat that turns into Mia Carla. And then she can feel some pain as if, as if she's being tattooed. A scraping pain. I wonder what that can be. One thing we do get early on in these scenes is um, two titans of the screen, Madeline and Kate together on one scene, lovely to see. And what happens is that, of course, Emma fades away, she fades away. You can see the very life ebbing out of her, pretty much like Laura. Ah, but this is a family with more spirit because George, Roger, has asked the insipid male lead, could you look in on my daughter? He also asks the doctor to come and look in. That doesn't go down well particularly not when Kate O'Mara has been given a brooch by Mia Carla and he's now in her thrall as well. But no bite marks, no fangs on, um, on Kate at the moment. No fangs, they're not interested. <laughs> but <clears throat> and the doctor comes in and says, I think uh, she might need some treatment and also suggests that uh, a cross is placed and the butler, Renton, who while the men are away, he says when he's deep in his cups in the local tavern, and Michael Ripper, not the tavern holder. That's sacrilege. But he tells us that he sees his responsibility very strongly while the men are away, the man of the house is away. So he puts some garlic flowers because they have an antiseptic smell in the room. And Madeline Smith starts to regain 
Emma starts to regain some sense of strength because Mikala can't go in there. She hates that garlic, but she has to get the garlic out of the way. How does she do that? She seduces Renton, of course she does. In the meantime, the doctor, who's beginning to cotton on here, taking him a while after seeing Laura dispatched in the same way, but beginning to cotton on, he's on his way back to his GP practice, obviously to lance a few boils and, uh, and, and administer some flu jabs. And he is, his horse bolts and Mia Carla is on him like a beast. Quite a lot of animalistic stuff going on with the Mia Carla performance here and with the Mia Carla characterization. And he fights back because he's a man, but he can't keep her off him, so he goes too. We need to see him with his throat wide open because here is the entrance again of Peter Cushing. So now we know we're coming to the end of the film because you can trust him. And he's brought with him the Baron von Hartog, who we've seen earlier on, was in the Karnstein Castle many years ago and dispatched uh, vampire after vampire, but there was one he couldn't find. And that happens to be Mia Carla. So they all go, including George, George Cole, to the castle and they look for Mia Carla's grave and find it in the meantime back at the house. This is getting so exciting. Ingrid can get into the room now because the, the garlic flowers have gone. Renton's been turned and told his housekeeper he must remove them. And so she calls Madeline Smith, Emma, to come with her. And at the top of the stairs, Kate O'Mara jumps out of her room and shouts, please take me with you, take me with you. And she is dispatched the two-fanged way. And this is the first time, I think the only time, that we see the fangs dripping blood. Of course, Madeline Smith swoons and the insipid lead comes in with a cross and an incantation. He throws a knife and Mikala disappears only to reappear with the rest of the chaps at the graveyard, enters her sarcophagus, her coffin, and is dispatched with a stake and then with a chop off of the head by Cushing. He's given that to do as the general because who else would you have doing that? If you've got Peter Cushing, of course you want that to happen. And that's it. Apart from the man in black, as he's called, a sort of Dracula figure who's been laughing with delight all the way through, now looking sad. Apart from that and the Karnstein portrait of Mia Carla changing into an old hag vampire, that's the end. And there's your basic plot. It doesn't take long, but is this actually any good? Well, yes and no. When the movie came out, it was fairly successful. It had uh, about a it had a um, a budget of about 
150,000, which was not a lot at the time. And it was based on the story Camilla by Sheridan Le Fanu. It was um, an Anglo-American and, and British co-founding, uh, co-money, co-production. And the censor at the time, Trevelyan, they asked him up front what he thought about some of the more lesbian scenes in the, in the film. And he warned them, considering the killing of Sister George and some of the excisions and censorship and cutting in that film, that they really wouldn't get away with it. They replied that, but it's in the story. And he apparently backed off. So this is a prelude to what you get more of with the two companion films that are only loosely linked, of course. Lust for a Vampire, Sailor Girls Finishing School, of course it is. And Twins of Evil, which, as I've said before, is a better film than people give it um, credit for, but really it's known for the, for the two Collinson sisters, the Collinson twins, and for the preponderance of vampires biting breasts rather than necks, which is started in this movie. Pitt does that in this movie. There is a lot of nudity, not a lot of nudity, there is some nudity in this, mainly Ingrid Pitt, and she wasn't averse to, to revealing herself in that respect, and Madeleine Smith. There is some lightweight seduction between two women, a little bit of chaste kissing. But I suppose this is the first of those kind of sexual vampire movies that Hammer would do more of as the decade progressed. It's actually quite chaste though. And the main issue with this film it's not that the acting's bad, it's, it's what you'd expect. Not that the script is bad. Again, it's what you'd expect it to be. And the plot is fairly thin, but it's, um, it explains. It doesn't give you too much extraneous stuff. There's very little subplot. It's entertaining, you know where you're going. It's lightweight and it delivers in that way. But it's just that it's neither one thing nor the other. It's neither a heavyweight Dracula story, because what you've got here is the man in black, who is really, I suppose, the Dracula figure. He's played by uh, John Forbes Robertson, heavily made up. He was just as heavily made up when he played Dracula, and he is the only other person to play um, Dracula, Count Dracula, in Hammer films, apart from Lee. He was heavily made up in The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires as well. He looks like some kind of roué or some kind of actor manager with too much rouge on. Doesn't look good, looks really kind of fruity and heavy and I don't expect Dracula to look like that. He is not really Dracula so you don't have that kind of part. You have a lot of vampires and a sort of sub-Dracula Karnstein family introduction as a kind of second string Dracula. So it doesn't push for mainstream Dracula as a mainstream Dracula movie, and it doesn't push as a Dracula sex movie or titillation movie. It doesn't do that. It links to the past with people like Cushing, and it links to the future with people like Pitt 
who then was joined by people like Jutta Stensgaard from um, Lust for a Vampire and the aforementioned Collinson twins. So it straddles really, it's the first of those movies, they're not keen to go so far yet because of the censor, but after, as they've got this out, then they can get a lot of other things out in subsequent movies. And indeed that is what happened. It's got a lovely atmosphere, it takes place mostly at night, it's got a Victorian theme, it's got the tavern, you've got the baronial halls, it's well dressed, costumes are good, lots of horseplay, as in play on horses, and lots of horseplay between the female characters as well, who are actually generally not well served. Madeline Smith usually looks a little vacant, in my view, and that's part of her shtick. Um, but when she succumbs to Mia Carla's charms, it does seem as though she's kind of under some, um, under the thrall of an opiate. And that seems like the right thing. I'm not sure she was going for that, but as a side issue, it works very well. And another thing that's quite interesting here is that the men are absent or the, the 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 major male figures are absent for much of the film they're off on business and they're leaving the women to do what they want to do with second string male characters like the butler figure and the doctor so that's very interesting in a very male dominated hammer world that really it's one of the first times we have women and look what happens when the men aren't there. The women cause havoc. And the men have to come back and put it right. You'd expect that though with Hammer. And certainly in 1970, wouldn't you? Another film that's released in 1970 is the Dracula offering, Scars of Dracula. And the two films are very different. Scars of Dracula is a violent Dracula movie. Didn't do too well at the box office, I understand, but it's a very violent uh, Dracula movie with uh, Patrick Troughton as, um, as the helper, Clove, wonderfully named, receiving harsh treatment from, from the Count, whipped and regularly, beaten regularly. And the feeling of this movie, both directed by Roy Ward Baker, the feeling of this movie is much softer, it's more of a gossamer over the lens, and that makes for an interesting feel, but we're not quite sure where we're going. It does seem to have a prelude feel to where Hammer are going. It's a nudge to say, if this works, we might go a bit further next time. Want to see a bit more? Well, keep watching. This is a kind of movie out of time. It straddles both the past and looks and the future, looks to the future, still has some signifiers from the past, just so we know, we know where we are. It is a good movie. It's entertaining. There's not very much in it and there aren't very many scares or very many charismatic performances, although Ingrid Pitt does a very good um, attempt at holding the camera. She's asked to do that, she does that very well. But generally, this is neither one thing nor the other. 
it's a three out of five ramble rating, but you had to make it to go on for good or bad to what Hammer did in this series later on. And wasn't that interesting? Ta-ta.